0: You're listening to Online Radio Podcast. Recently, we've been having uh, lots and lots of requests, and uh, it was a letter from a brother uh, from the UK. He says, Assalamu alaikum, my uh, brother Shafaat, Where is uh, Sheikh Ramadan Hamad, the uh, Al Jazeera uh, uh, blogger, and uh, the one uh, that is an Arabic uh, lecturer, lecturer, also, and uh, an alim, and an economist, and a brilliant political analyst? I really miss him. And uh, the brother from uh, London says, uh, please uh, do not mention my name as uh, your family members will uh, sometime feel jealous. <laughs> but anyway, you know, when we talk about the jealousy thing and all it happens. I under- understand where you come from, brother. But uh, Sheikh Ramadan Ahmed, uh, remember, has been very busy. Uh, he's been uh, yeah, busy blogging on Al Jazeera Arabic. He's also been uh, busy with lots of uh, work he does and, you know, also be, uh, being an economist. He does uh, talk to many world governments and so forth. So he is someone, alhamdulillah, and uh, I can tell you knowing him uh, for so many years, he's someone that is so uh, humble for the position that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him, for the amana that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him. And uh, Sheikh Ramadan and uh, Ahmed and I for many years have appeared on different platforms and have hosted, uh, you know, talk show hosts together. And uh, we have spoken to many international guests. Sheikh uh, Ramadan Ahmed, you know, the topic that uh, we have chosen uh, this evening is a very interesting one. Is Africa still an Islamic uh, continent? And you know, I'm excited. I'm already looking forward to your content. But uh, Sheikh Ramadan Ahmed, salaam alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and uh, jazakallah khair for joining us on the platforms of uh, Malkab Sahaba, the voice of the Ala the Ala Sunnah wal Jamaa, Sheikh
1: wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brother Shafat. It's always good to talk to you, and uh, very lovely to have your uh, audiences on. I'm very happy to come back after some, uh, uh some, some uh, stop for 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 on the way. <laughs> yeah, we are back. Khairan,
0: yeah, great to have you back. And as you said, uh, it's not because uh, we didn't uh, we, we we knew that you were busy, and every time. He tried to get hold of you. You were always, uh, you know, somewhere uh, doing something, but Alhamdulillah, you have uh, many projects in your mind that Alhamdulillah, that uh, you, uh, you know, your vision, your your, your vision is all, always, uh, you know, comes to fruition. And uh, that is by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, you know, uh, when we look at the history of Islam, and uh, when you look at the yep. role that is, uh, you know, um, uh, Africa has played into Islam, it starts off with the uh, Hazrat Bilal, al anhu, you know, coming from the continent of Africa, then it goes on, you know, the very the momentous uh, uh, journey that was taken to Abyssinia, that is part of the history of uh, uh, Africa and Islam and Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam uh, marrying Maria the Copt. Also, you know, that too comes to the fore. But it seems as if, you know, most of these issues are put under file 13 and not discussed openly. And then you, as you we fast track, Africa has been a very powerful car co- continent has been a very rich co- continent has been a very religious continent and uh, until it was uh, yeah r- invaded by the colonists who ran a record with Africa has taken out all its uh, people has subjugated its people has taken its wealth away and you know made Africa uh, still the bra- breadbasket of Europe and they still called it they had the goal to call Africa the third world but alhamdulillah this third world Today seems as if it's non-existent, but it's still a major role player in uh, how the world uh, operates today. But Africa seems like it has uh, quite a few impotent leaders that are letting uh, the population down. Sheikh Ramadan Ahmed, I know that's a very loaded uh, question coming through, many loaded thoughts coming through. But uh, your thoughts, Sheikh uh, Ramadan Ahmed, I'm all ears, I'm listening to you. Jazakallah uh, khair, rada shafa'at, bismillah rahman raheem, alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalam,
1: ala nabina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. The relationship between Africa and Islam has been uh, very long and uh, it d- dates back to the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa sallam and uh, Islam reached Africa before it reached Medina. Uh, it started with the uh, number of Sahaba uh, headed by uh, Jafar ibn Abi Talib the cousin of the prophet when uh, the prophet sent him at the head of uh, an expedition or a mission to uh, africa when muslims were persecuted in mecca and were looking for allies so by allah's inspiration uh, the prophet sent uh, this delegation to the king of abyssinia and uh, the king of abyssinia welcomed them and um, he himself ended up uh, embracing Islam, and uh, when he passed away, the Prophet and performed salatul ghaib uh, on him. So that that's the time when the relationship of Africa starts, and Islam with an Africa, uh, African relationship started. And um, uh, even when uh, uh, Muslims uh, migrated to Medina. And after the uh, opening of Mecca, the Muslims uh, took over control of Mecca. Some of the Sahaba who uh, went to Abyssinia returned, but some of them uh, remained there and they intermarried with the people, uh, especially in, in Hampshire. And then uh, some of them moved uh, up to Uganda and they passed some of the uh, areas in Kenya. Uh, these areas, until today, they are Muslims. In some parts of Kenya, in the northern part of Kenya, and they went to Uganda. Even the king of Uganda is uh, said to um, have uh, embraced Islam. And um, those early uh, Muslims who went to Uganda, and they went, uh, they um, they spread Islam Uganda, and even the king of Uganda, yeah, embraced Islam. But because of um, there is some, uh, I can call it a lack of fiqh here. So they insisted that the king should be circumcised. And according to the traditions of uh, the people of that time, uh, if the uh, if the man has had any any of his parts cut, then that is uh, considered a defect, and uh, per, a person with such a defect cannot be. Uh, Ruler. So what happened is that they circumcised him and uh, the people, his his people actually took him out of power and then he himself actually um, reverted uh, or actually left Islam. That was uh, the very sad uh, story there but um, what I want to emphasize here is that uh, Africa's relationship with Islam uh, dates to that time. And even after the Islamic conquests in North Africa and uh, the fact that Muslims went to uh, Andalusia and they established Islamic civilization. And after after the collapse of uh, Andalusia, uh, Muslims came back, and uh, they uh, they spread to many parts of the North North Africa and established kingdoms there. You quote the, you quote the kingdom of Timbuktu, uh, the kingdom of Songe in uh, Senegal, Timbuktu in uh, North Nigeria and Mali. And these actually were Islamic, uh, Islamic um, kingdoms. So when colonial powers came to Africa, Africans had already known how to write and how to read and they could author uh, books. And this reminded me of, uh, of uh, President Mbeki's uh, visit to Mali when he went there and uh, he found uh, heaps of uh, manuscripts. Thousands of manuscripts actually were thrown and um, he was actually moved by the scene. And he asked uh, President Omar Taur, uh, Tumar Tauri by that time, and uh, President Omar told him, don't, no, you see my people here, they don't even have uh, water to drink. So my priorities is how to dig boreholes for my people instead of uh, building libraries. That's why when President Becky came back, he was very, um, uh, very devastated actually by the scene uh, such treasures actually were thrown on the floor. So that's why he came here and launched uh, that, um, um, the, the campaign for building library in, uh, in Mali. And I think it is built now. So Africans came to know Islam and uh, thanks to Islam's spread in Africa, Africans could read and write before the Europeans come to Africa. Would you like me to uh, continue, Brother Shahad, or uh, you yeah. have anything to ask in, in
0: between? Yeah, in between. I, I want to uh, delve on, uh, you know, uh, President Abu Mbeki, and he called it the African Renaissance, and he spoke so passionately about uh, the libraries and all the, you know, the contribution that, uh, you know, Timbuktu made uh, to the world as an a- 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 academic uh, source. And uh, there he was, he delivered, he actually delivered, and I had a lot of my friends uh, that were part of the delegations, and I went and you know uh, helped uh, uh, the the government there, and it, that sh- uh, this this uh, uh, showed us how uh, you know well read Africa was uh, literally you know they were there. Uh, I think uh, uh, Mansu, what was his name? He was the richest man ever on on earth at that time. I mean, uh, still in, according to history, he had uh, so much of gold and all that. While he was going for Hajj, he was just giving people gold, yeah, and you know was opulent but very holy man. Uh, but a very magnanimous man. And, you know, a little bit more about uh, that type of history we have, where, you know, we call Africa a poor continent. But actually speaking, Africa is uh, the richest continent on on the planet Earth, uh, Sheikh Ramadan Ahmed. Yes, of course. Africa has never been poor at all. But it was impoverished, actually, by the European
1: invasion. And uh, Europeans insisted on stealing in uh, in the hearts and minds of Africans that you are poor. They are not poor at all. Uh, in fact, the, first, the so-called first world is heavily dependent on Africa, where they import our, our, our raw material and then they uh, add value to such material and then send it back um, 10 times of its price. Uh, if I can give you an example of, um, of coca, for example, uh, coca or tobacco or uh, and all this kind of raw material, which they take from Africa and then they um, add value to it, and then they they charge, they overcharge actually Africans to pay for it. So it is a kind of exploitation that needs to be maintained. And even when they, uh, uh, the Europeans uh, came to Africa. When they came to Africa, they were shocked to find that Africans could read and write, and that's why they came up with the idea of uh, that if you don't read and write any European language, then you are considered ignorant. And for that reason, they were not keen to preserve the books that were written in Arabic. And Arabic was the language of that time. You know, that's like the, um, the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the way President Beki actually defended his case, when they told him, oh, this is an Islamic thing or an Arab thing. He said no. The Arabic language was the language of science and knowledge at that time. Even Europeans could read and write Arabic very eloquently. Um, that was no, no, no question at all. It, all the parts of Europe used to come and study at the University of Cordoba, or Cordova. You know, they used to, to study there and they, uh, they, they acquired knowledge. Which language was that? Well, that was Arabic language. So. <clears throat> When um, Mbeki was criticized, he told them, these books are scientific books, algebra, um, uh, geography, history, and all, and, and you name it. But the, um, uh, the thing is that uh, the Arabic language was the language of that time. So what happens is that Europeans forbade Arabic as a, as a language of, or as a medium of education and that's where the uh the uh the, the idea that if you are writing arabic or reading arabic you are not uh, educated and from here what they did is that after occupying uh, africa they handed over education to the church in many many african countries where muslims were majority if uh your names muhammad rahman ali and yusuf and all these uh, non-muslim names you won't have chance to go to university. I remember I was in East Africa, and uh, in the University of Dar es Salaam, for example, until nineteen eighties um, and nineties, the Muslim percentage at Dar es Salaam University was about ten percent, no less, uh, no more than that. Given that Muslim population in Tanzania is more than sixty uh, percent. Just imagine, only after the coming of uh, President uh, Jakaya Kikwete, uh, who actually uh, took the church, uh, sorry, took the, the, the state from the, uh, for, loosened, actually, the grips of the, the the church on the, on the state, that uh, now Muslims could be able to uh, enter the of Saddam, but many of them had already been sent outside the country to study outside and and used to come. So what I'm saying here is that the church was, um, you know, took control of education in Africa. And that's why it gave a priority to whoever was Christian or was wearing Christian name. Uh, Despite all this, you know, there is something very funny happened in Africa, and I have just come to realize it recently, where the church had to, um, um, is now discussing the, uh, the feasibility uh, of it taking control of uh, education and denying uh, Muslims. Do you know what happened, uh, Brother Shavat?
0: Uh, uh, tell us, check Ramadan, we all ears.
1: Yes, what happened is that the chair denied Muslims education and what happened is that Muslims went into business. So they, they, they um, control business and um, in due course, they got money, and now they could be able to build private schools, that's on the one, on the one hand, and they could be able to send their children outside the country to, to pursue their higher education. They send their children to Al-Azhar, to Medina, to uh, London, to the United States, to study. You know, um, field of medicine, for example. So, if you have somebody who is a doctor, for example, and uh, he wrote in his uh, in, in the sign of his, his business that he's a graduate of London University, and you got someone who is graduate of uh, of the Islam University, which one do you go to? Definitely, you will go to the one who is graduate of uh, London University. So, what happened is that Muslims could have had managed to have a very good education, uh, thanks to uh, the fact that they 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 have uh, wealth. That's on the one hand. And on the other hand, they managed to build private schools where they could be able to give good education to their children. Today, things are completely different from, different from how they are 30 years ago, 50 years ago. It's completely different, even 10 years ago. Muslims have acquired education. And uh, Islam is no more um, perceived like how it was perceived like before. Um, The Sufis, actually, they kept Islam, they preserved the nucleus of Islam. But today, uh, Islam has gone to the public domain. And you can see the manifestations of Islam everywhere. You see Muslim women wearing hijab, uh, even in top government uh, posts at the moment, you can see them. And they are very active in every facet of life and contributing to the welfare and benefit of societies. So the question is, Is Africa still the continent of Islam? I can uh, proudly and unhesitantly say yes. It's still and is more a continent of Islam than it was before because now Muslims can take control of their own affairs. Unlike when things were dictated on them before and you can see them well-educated, taking well control of their lives, and contributing to the welfare of their uh, societies yes brother shaman
0: yes sir, sheikh ramadan you talk about uh, the muslims uh, having al-azhar as a source of reference uh, you know the education and uh, you know having powerful education and we had uh, you know scientists uh, when we had cordova uh, you know it was the house of learning and everyone came to that uh, as we spoke about very eloquently about uh, timbuktu and it seems uh, as if uh, when uh, the colonists came uh, there was a divide and rule policy. We knew that uh, uh, Nigeria had uh, perhaps a 90% Muslim population, but uh, uh, due to uh, the Christian uh, evangelists uh, putting in uh, uh, lots of effort, uh, uh, it seems they say that Nigeria is uh, 40, 60. Allahu Alam, you're going to correct me there. And as they went through, uh, the Americans uh, got into Africa, but using uh, the evangelists, the Bible thumpers, to come in and to raise the dust from, uh, you know, south to the north and, uh, you know, trying to capture Africa as a Christian continent. And uh, this is a statement that they made. Uh, this is what the uh, statement that the Christians made in America. They said it is a God-given burden for us as Christians to go and evangelize the Muslims. We have to bring them to the Savior, that is Jesus. And uh, Sheikh Ramadan Ahmed, it was, uh, I know, uh, being uh, uh, Sheikh Amadi, that's editor, uh, that was in 1989-90, and uh, Sheikh Didat uh, showed me the article, and I did uh, extensive, uh, you know, uh, research in that, and uh, we uh, had some strategy put into place. But it seemed as if it was only Sheikh Ahmad Didat and there was uh, Osman Matata and few others that, uh, you know, took on these evangelists head-on. And, you know, maybe we made a slight scratch. I don't think we even made a dent. Perhaps your comment on that, that Africa was, uh, you know, a big target for evangelism, uh, Sheikh uh, Ramadan Ahmed. Yes, in fact, um, that is correct. The
1: evangelism in Africa was very rife from the time of, colonial, uh, for, of colonialism until today. Um, they managed to do a lot of um, a lot of things. Actually, how can I say it is uh, negative? Definitely, uh, when it comes to the Muslim communities, they managed to and, uh, impoverish uh, Muslim societies managed to um give to favor whoever was a christian was favored and uh, whoever was muslim actually was uh, underprivileged um thanks to uh the uh, uh um, scholars like uh, sheikh ahmad didad who actually inspired so many youths in uh in east africa and central africa I have seen a lot of them actually in Uganda, Kenya, and Tanzania, who were specialized in uh, comparative religion. And they did very well, very, very well. In fact, they excelled. I don't, I cannot say they um, they overtook Sheikh Didat, but definitely they represented Sheikh Didat very well, uh, in their spheres. And um, they did very well. So they managed to restore confidence in the Muslims' uh, hearts because they managed actually to um, study uh, the Bible and conduct public talks in, um, in, in, in public domains. And they attracted a lot of people. So when, whenever they invited um, pastors and uh, Christian leaders in these in fields, actually, they, <laughs> they overpowered them and they ended up being Muslims. Today, we have a very good number of uh, ex- um, ex-priests who embrace Islam, and they are very active doing Islam, uh, propagating Islam in their areas. Um, I'm not encouraging Muslims actually to follow the, on the the, the footsteps of the church when when they uh, provoked Muslims, but I think Muslims need to preach peaceful coexistence and they need to preach Islam as alternative to whatever um, philosophy uh, of the philosophies of life that islam is a way of life they need to propagate islam in that from that uh, approach that islam is the way of life in the sense that it gives you direction it gives you direction and gives answers to the major three questions that, that these are existential questions that human beings are asking today where we come from where we are going to, and what is required of us. There is no scientific research that can give answers to these three questions except uh, Islam, and there is no religion that can give answers other than Islam. So uh, Muslims, being strong as they are today, they need to take Islam to the people, the race people of Africa, and make Islam or present Islam from the perspective of it being uh, the way of life not to provoke anybody and not to intimidate anybody but to present Islam as a way of life and to bring peace to the continent as it was before the colonials came to Africa. Yes, Brother Shavad.
0: You know, Sheikh uh, Ramadan Ahmed, I know many people listening now say, ah man, just leave them alone and we should uh, better ourselves, we should be focusing on ourselves. But let's look at uh, Nabi Muhammad, uh, he lived in a sea of paganism, a sea of Christianity, a sea of uh, Judaism. And there he was, Khatija radi ranha, uh, you know, being a Roman Catholic, uh, first woman to accept Islam. And, uh, you know, the Christians were posing questions to him, the uh, Quran, he's addressing one, of, one third of the Quran, addresses the Yahud and the Nasara. And then we have some people saying, no, 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 even Sheikh that was once told by uh, the Egyptians, you know, Ya Sheikh, Ya Sheikh, why are you worried about these uh, uh, Christians? Why are you worrying them? You know, you're causing problem, Ya Sheikh. And uh, Ahmad that, uh, looked at that uh, uh, person and he said, Listen, Ya Sheikh, uh, listen, one third of the Quran addresses the Yahudah, Nasara, the uh, Nasara. The Quran says, burhanukum in kuntum sadikin. Who is he telling that to? Why is he telling that to? What did Ibrahim a.s. do? Didn't he correct his father? He said, oh, uh, yeah, Abadi, don't worship uh, those uh, idols you create with your own hands. What can they do to you? And Ibrahim, Salam smashed all those idols. You know the story. And all, we all know the story. It's all in the Noble Quran, people. Pick up the good book now and get to that. And, you know, we need to bring this issue into the people. And perhaps, uh, you know, most people don't even understand the Quran with meaning. And they make big issues of these things. Oh, no, 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 stop it. But we are playing into the hands of the colonists. Then we're playing into the hands of those uh, that are Islamophobes, we're playing into the hands uh, those uh, that are, you know uh, do not want Islam as a way of life. Talk to me about that, uh, Sheikh Ahmadan Ahmed.
1: In fact, um, uh, Sheikh Ahmadidat's uh, might not be appreciated by many Muslims in the sense that it is provocative approach. But this, is, in fact, this is a, the the church's approach. In fact, uh, Ahmad Sheikh Ahmadidat could have been sitting in his shop and uh, selling uh, whatever he was selling, and uh, nothing could have happened had he not been provoked by the the, the evangelists. So he was actually res- uh, responding to them, and uh, he had to adopt the same approach that they they did, and it worked actually, that approach worked. You can't, uh, it, it's like um, you're in the marketplace. You can't sell sugar, and you tell somebody else, no, you, must, you mustn't send, uh, sell uh, paper. Or sell salt because um, I'm selling sugar, and I think you also must sell sugar. It's not like that. In the marketplace, you have to uh, find everything sold in the market, and you cannot say no. Why well, this is sold? You cannot say like that. It's the same thing. Dawah takes uh, different um, uh, different um, approaches. Uh, some people might show dawah through their behavior, the way they interact with others. They show decent behavior, and um, others might show confrontation, others might show uh, through education and others like you, for example, now you're through the media, you are talking to people, you are hosting, you know, scholars and so on. So you have to diversify the uh, the media of Dawah. You cannot take one approach and then denounce the other approaches which are taken by other people. This is like just like marketplace. So I assume that Sheikh uh, that approach worked very much and it has been copied in uh, other contexts and it was suitable, perfectly uh, suitable. And I think it worked so much. And um, I think we need to take into account that consumers are also different. (laughs) So when you sell something, if somebody wants to buy a piece of cloth, um, you cannot give uh, that person, you know, a kilo of sugar. He doesn't want sugar. Sell sugar to somebody who wants sugar. So you have to understand the consumer's mindset and then you sell them what you deem uh, appropriate and necessary and suitable at that period of time certain and and in that place. So you have to uh, diversify your approach uh, because you are selling your products to uh, diverse um, consumers.
0: This is a very important fact that people need to take into account. Here's Brother Shahad. Yeah, Sheikh Ramadan, I mean, you make a lot of sense. And then whilst you're talking, I started thinking about what is uh, destroying world uh, presently is uh, the tribalism that's inherent, you know, racism that's coming to the fore. And uh, there you find the people taking the knee and so forth. But uh, during the time of Nabi Muhammad, wa sallam, it was uh, those uh, paganistic, those pagan tribes that couldn't see eye to eye as you fought each other for years and years over trivial matters. Then you get into Africa once again, tribalism. Look at South Africa, he's a Corsa, he's a Zulu, he's a Soto, he's a Indibele, he's this, he's that, and I'm a Zulu, I'm more superior than that tribe and that. It's kidding South Africa. Look at uh, Nigeria, there's tribalism there, the north and the south and everywhere. Look at, uh, maybe you can correct me here to Sudan and look at uh, all uh, you know, the different parts of Africa. Tribalism is rife and perhaps even when they had Islam, and uh, many of them lost it again because they went back to the tribalistic roots and uh, gave tribalism or the, tri- or the creed uh, precedence over the teachings of Islam. And uh, this, why we, uh, this is why we find not only here but throughout the world, you know, the Arab feeling in the Emiratis, he's superior and he'd rather befriend a Nasara than a Muslim of uh, the subcontinent and so forth. Or maybe, you know, subjugate uh, Muslims from Africa to menial laborers and so forth. What's your reaction to that, Sheikh Ramadan, Ahmed? Yes. My reaction is that Islam
1: is the only religion that can unite people, irrespective of whatever uh, whatever, uh, racial uh, backgrounds or whatever geographical background they belong to. The Arabs used to be scattered uh, tribes fighting one another for long, long periods without any genuine reason. And they used to be just wandering tribes that never had any direction. And they were just uh, like their, their own animals. <laughs> they never had any direction. So Islam brought them together and made out of them a strong Ummah with a genuine mission to mankind. And they carried the mission very well and they propagated Islam and they brought many nations into the fold of Islam and they made among them one Ummah. So. Today, if we want to become uh, strong and uh, we get rid of uh, the problems that arise between several nations and tribes, it's only Islam that can bring us together. If you look at the Muslim world today, the more or the closer people to uh, the people to Islam, the the, the 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 more coherent their societies are. And vice versa. Whenever people, you know, drift far from Islam and they resort to their tribes and to their nations and to their cultures, to their languages and to whatever, when they resort to this, then you see problems arising among them. So this is why I'm saying in Africa we have a lot of conflicts, we have a lot of tribal tribal problems and uh, the geographical, you know, problems. But only thing that can bring us together is Islam. Once people um, embrace Islam, everything else becomes easy. I remember yesterday I was, I mean, the last week I was traveling and I was sitting on the bench at the airport waiting for my flight and uh, somebody near me, he was sitting on the the, the bench also and he started uh, f- t- talking over the phone to someone else and I realized that he's Muslim. The moment I tell him, I ask him, Salaamu alaikum," and he responded, "Alaikum salam. Um, All the barriers between us collapsed, he started asking me, where are you from, and I asked him where I'm from, and then, uh, uh, guess what happened, do you know X, and uh, I know X, I I found that he was from Mozambique, and I found that he knows people from Mozambique, and I found that he knows people uh, from South Africa that we share, and then we started joking all of a sudden, and uh, we came to know each other, so this is how Islam destroys barriers between people. So if you want to bring people together, there is nothing that can cement people's relationships other than Islam. So in Africa, uh, while I'm talking to you today, the youth are very active propagating the mission of Islam everywhere in East Africa, in uh, the Horn of Africa, West Africa, Central Africa. Unfortunately, the Southern African region, Islam is very weak. This is the, the unfortunate part. And uh, on the other hand, Islam is being propagated like as if it is culture. Culture of a certain, um, um, a certain uh, uh, group. Not as something universal. And I think this is something that we need to uh, reconsider. And in the southern African region where there is no history uh, of Islam. So there is no any cure for the diseases of tribalism other than Islam, that's the only cure for it. Yes, brother.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As you said, uh, you know, Islam has its uh, history. It has uh, the teachings of Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It has the final sermon of Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, where he said the black man is not superior to a white man. Neither is a white man superior to a black man. An Arab is not superior to a non-Arab, neither is a non-Arab superior to an Arab. He that is most pious is most high. And you know, Nabi Muhammad sallam, Even you look at the behavior of the Sahabas, how they broke away this uh, racism, this tribalism, and you know, abolished the slavery slowly but surely. And it seems as if uh, you know uh, the, the the West, who are the uh, perpetrators of a genocide, the First Crusade, the Second Crusade, the Third Crusade. Um, have a knack of uh, manipulating uh, the uh, media with their propaganda and uh, by telling the world that that this is an evil religion, this is a a religion of terrorism, this is a very uh, narrow-minded religion, and it seems as if, you know, uh, most of uh, the the, the Muslim media is like uh, acquiescing in silence and uh, uh, doesn't have uh, the the, the power nor the energy to, uh, you know, Reverse this or turn the tables on the West. Uh, what are your take? Of, uh, how do you read that, uh, Sheikh Ramadan Ahmed?
1: One of the funniest things, actually, it is ironical that um, uh, the, the the media is uh, giving uh, mis, mis, misinformation about Islam, and uh, there is um, a lot of um, a highlight of negative things about Islam, and uh, people try to understand Islam as religion of evil. But at the same time, uh, this kind of, uh, of uh, negative propaganda against Islam provokes some people actually to start researching, conducting research into what Islam is all about. I have come across uh, so many people and I have seen uh, on, on Al Jazeera actually, uh, especially after the uh, September 11th, uh, th- tens of thousands of, uh, of, of people embrace Islam in the United States and uh, were interviewed by Al Jazeera. So the, the the general answer that was given, it was a common answer, uh, is that we thought Islam is an evil religion and we wanted to know that, that evil religion which prompts its followers to throw themselves into fire. Like how it happened in this in September eleventh, you know that you are going to die, and they still you put yourself to death. So we wanted to know what force this this religion, you know, in, inflicts to to its, its followers in order for them to commit such horrific uh, acts. So they said when they started uh, studying Islam, they found that no, 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 Islam has nothing to do with whatever is said about it. It is a very gentle, uh, logic, sensible humanistic, you know, religion. This is what <laughs> conclusion whoever, you know, embraces Islam uh, or conducts research into Islam realizes that Islam is a very peaceful, very um, uh, humanistic religion. And um, I'm not actually worried about all this kind of religion. In fact, uh, sometimes the, um, the the Western world or I can say the decision makers in the Western world they try to do, to found an enemy so that they can fight it. Like how they found uh, ISIS and Al-Qaeda and all this stuff. Nobody knows in the media or, or wants actually to know in the media that Al-Qaeda was actually a Western product, um, the CIA product that was um, established in Afghanistan. And um, normally not, the people do not interested to know that ISIS is something that is pro- uh, produced by the Western world. How can you justify that um, a rebellious uh, group that starts from nowhere, they all of a sudden they own very sophisticated machine guns. They can even threaten uh, states, and they are still just gangsters. I cannot believe that. You know, <clears throat> when the Afghani jihad started in, in uh, early 1980s, uh, Abdurrabah Rasul Sayyaf, one of the leaders of the Mujahideen, he said, when we started this uh, jihad, we started with um, with local-made machine guns. that local- we, we made them locally, and we defeated the Russians in some of the battles, and we managed to uh, confiscate their weapons, and then we started it from there. Now, that is not the case with ISIS. You can find ISIS with a lot of, um, of ammunition, with a lot of sophisticated arms, and even they have tanks. Where they got this from? You cannot tell me that this, uh, this, this, uh, this is not sponsored by some sophisticated institutions. Now, why did they do this? Is because for them to say, "Oh, look, this is Islam. They are beheading people. They are killing people. They are doing this and that." Uh, even um, they don't even draw the people's attention to the fact that ISIS killed more Muslims they killed than Muslims. They don't don't even show that. They just um, show that uh, ISIS is against uh, uh, non-Muslims and they are they're keen to kill non-Muslims, which is not the case. So incidents like this provoke people to study and learn about Islam. And that is how Islam today is the fastest growing religion in the Western world, according to church statistics. And when it comes to Europe, uh, I think every uh, 10 children that were born, uh, six of them are Muslim children. So this is how it works. We we do not want uh, negative publicity about Islam, of course. But this is exactly how the uh, opponents of Islam do, and it is they actually who are bringing people to the fault uh, of Islam. So not what, not all what they do is necessarily uh, negative. It is negative, of course, but it brings a lot of positive things as well. <laughs> yes, brother Shaban.
0: Jazakallah Ajazakalakeer for bringing that up, uh, Sheikh uh, Ramadan Nema. And you know you you touch onto a very important po- uh, point. How come ISIS has the best weaponry? They have so much of money. They quickly in France, and suddenly they in Spain, and suddenly they in the U.S. and they all over the world. I mean, this is amazing. Then they're quickly in Syria, and they're moving down to Africa. Yeah, they have come to Mozambique also. Uh, you know, capturing the gas fields and this fields, and suddenly they're supposed to be in South Africa for the 2010 World Cup. But anyway. Uh, I mean, uh, Jacob Zuma said, no, 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 we got all this under control. Perhaps he knew what he was doing. And uh, many have said that what's the meaning of ISIS, uh, the acronym standing for Israeli secret intelligence service. And it is only Mossad that have uh, uh, the liberty to land the planes wherever they want in the world. Mossad is not questioned. So, you know, you want to know what's happening in France. Suddenly there's a beheading and suddenly there's an attack on the synagogue. No Muslim ever does that because it's in the teachings of Islam. We shall not attack uh, old woman, uh, you no know, children. We shall not attack uh, places of worship. You, uh, If you look at what ISIS uh, operandi, the, the modus operandi, it's all totally against Islam. And these are issues like this. You know, if we have an Islamic platform, we need to use these platforms to, first of all, the Sheikh Ramadan Ahmed, to conscientize our own people. Secondly, mm. we need to bring in, you know, a non-Muslim guest and give them, uh, you know, these ideas and tell them about it. I said, hey, I'm giving you Burhan. I'm giving you proof. I mean, it was uh, Hillary Clinton that even said it in her tenor, uh, you know, uh, as a secretary of state. She said. You know, we uh, recruited these people. We uh, uh, trained them up, and so forth. And this is what we have done. And no, per- perhaps giving them millions and millions of dollars. Uh, Barack Obama, bomber. I mean, I call him the bomber. Obama is also uh, on record to have said, "You know what? We recruited them. We trained them, and we put them where we wanted to." Uh, Sheikh Ramadan. Then I must thank you for bringing up that ISIS crisis issue. Your comments.
1: Yes, it's absolutely. Um, It's absolutely confirmed, actually, that uh, it is the Western world that is behind it. And all the uh, evidence uh, indicates that uh, it is the the Western world that is behind it. Uh, Even in Africa, in Mozambique, for example, you remember, uh, sometimes back there was a group uh, that uh, started something there. And uh, it was discovered that um, this was um, uh, the, the conflict between the French and the Americans and uh, whoever wants to uh, exploit the oil that was discovered in that area so they provoke things like this in order to, um, to to tarnish the image of Islam on the one hand and also for them to have access to wherever they want to, uh, to, to be in. So I think um, uh, this issue of, uh, of ISIS and extremist groups and all these kind of things if you remember in, uh, in Saudi Arabia uh, the, those people who used to uh, to abduct uh, foreigners, the uh, Westerners who were working in the oil field and used to behead them. And then the media was uh, very quick to say that this is how Islam is uh, is is about. Today, <clears throat> I have come to know that uh, there are some uh, Christian scholars in the Western world. Some, somebody by the name Gary Wilson, I have watched some of his um, his videos. He's um, a very well-known priest in uh, in the United States, and he's calling the Christians to study the Quran, to read the Quran, and to understand them. Whenever he is in congregation, he would ask his people, who of you read the Quran? And uh, nobody would raise his hand. They say, no, okay. Now, we criticize Muslims, and we still yet don't know what their book is saying. I think it is fair for us to uh, study their books first, and then we ask them that uh, your book is saying this and that. <laughs> for him, actually, he, he speaks very well about Islam, about the Quran, and I think this is a new trend in the Western world that the scholars are calling for, uh, for, 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 for Islam to be uh, an alternative. I have seen someone by the name wil Halak. wil Halak is um, a Palestinian scholar He's a lecturer at the University, I think of uh, uh, University of Columbia in the United States. He's a professor, a Christian of Christian background, and um, he said that his mission in life is to make uh, Islamic Sharia an alternative for modernism in the Western world. And he said, there are so many things that modernism promised to fulfill, but his, uh, it has failed to deliver any. Of these promises among which is freedom justice equality and you name it he said all these things are now do not, do not exist anymore and i think sharia is the the only um the the, the only uh, system that can bring uh, justice and equality and uh, freedom to uh, people he said even for me as christian i prefer to live in the umayyad period than to live in modern state and he gave a lot of, um, uh, of evidences that show that the Western world is in no way preaching justice, is in no way preaching equality and uh, freedoms in the, in the world. If you can have um, a, a 10% of the population uh, monopolising 90% of wealth, and then the, the, the 90% of the population are sharing uh, this 10%, then there is something wrong with the system. And uh, there are so many of them actually who are uh, working for, the, uh, to, for that end. Uh, they are not Muslims, but they are propagating actually Islam and the Sharia to become uh, the alternative of uh, modernism. Um, I think the uh, negative publicity of um, of Islam has worked in favor of Islam uh, to the behest of uh, the opponents of Islam. Yes, Brother Shavad.
0: You know, a brilliant point indeed, uh, Sheikh Ramadan Ahmed. And we know that uh, when you look at Africa... It has been duped as, you know, you look at mostly the Christians, uh, you know, very pro-Israeli. And, uh, you know, the the church especially, they've been duped to such an extent uh, that they say, pray for Israel and pray for Israel because, you know, the land was promised to them and so forth. And it is uh, the same, uh, you know, Israel that uh, discriminates against uh, the Ethiopian Jews when they're brought into uh, uh, Israel. They're treated as third-class citizens and so forth. And uh, this duping of the church... Uh, perhaps is it through money, and uh, why are they praying for Israel when Israel prays on the innocent P-R-E-Y-S, Sheikh Ramadan, Ahmed?
1: Yes, I think the issue of Israel definitely is is a very big issue, and the leader for a lot of controversy is working it, and should the Western world or should the Western system collapse, it's because of its blind support for Israel for its brutal, uh, brutal behavior towards the Palestinians. And uh, because of, um, of the Israeli issue, the Western world actually lost the moral ground uh, on which they can address the world about justice and equality, freedom and democracy and all these uh, uh, names. So I think um, the, the Western church um, is adamant, to um to 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 take care of israel irrespective of whatever behavior it does and uh, that itself actually uh, has caused a lot of um, damage to the image of the western world and the whole world the suppressed nations actually are looking uh, at it if the the western world is keen about democracy and freedoms why should palestinians do not deserve this democracy and uh, human rights i think uh, the issue of Palestine and Israel is a very um, a very big issue and it is very difficult to cover it in in uh, this uh, few minutes but uh definitely if we have to uh, touch on it from the perspective of uh of the western world's approach towards uh, africa and towards the arab world and towards the muslim world uh definitely it has shown um, this uh, conflict the the israeli arab conflict has shown uh had exposed actually the western world and um, it um it has been exposed and uh, whatever human rights they are calling for uh nobody actually can believe them that they can stand for human rights and this is uh, this takes me actually you know, to the issue of modernism and how modernism has uh, failed the western world and the first and and, and failed the world in, uh, at large
0: yeah Sheikh yes. al- ramadan Ahmed, are you looking at uh The uh, Ukrainian issue, we have uh, about uh, two or three minutes to go, but I want you to touch on this, where, you know, we see the soft underbelly of uh, the Americans, where, you know, Russia is calling its bluff, and, uh, you know, this invasion taking place there, lots of uh, propaganda coming from left, right, and center. But it seems as if, uh, you know, it shows uh, that the petrol dollars, uh, without the, uh, you know, Arab support, America is nothing without the Arab oil uh, you know, the crude oil, America's dollar is worth nothing. As is, we know, it's fiat money. It doesn't have the equivalent, uh, the value of gold and so forth and silver. And uh, this facade, it's slowly but uh, fizzling away. And it seems as if, you know, um, Huck will come through and Barthel will be, you know, smashed forever. Uh, or Falsehood will be smashed to smithereen. Your thoughts, mm-hmm. Jeff Ramadan, Ahmed? Yeah, I, I think this issue of uh, Ukraine,
1: um, uh, uh, Russian-Ukraine war, has um, uh, uncovered a, a lot of hidden things. Um, in principle, we denounce war wherever it is, and wherever victims um, suffering. Definitely, uh, nobody can applaud, you know, killing of victims. Um, this this is uh, out of out of question. Uh, but what uh, matters is that the uh, United States does not consider the feelings of other nations when it behaves in a very um, unwanted way. Like, for instance, they wanted to include Ukraine in the NATO, uh, in, in the NATO group, which means to Russia that uh, NATO is going to install its, uh, its arsenal. Uh, in the in, in, in the lands of Ukraine, what does that mean to uh, to, uh, to, to to Russia? Just imagine uh, Russians coming to Cuba, and they want to uh, make Cuba like uh, the strategic alliance to the extent that they can be able to install uh, some heavy weapons there in uh, in Cuba. How would the United States behave? Uh, definitely, it will occupy Cuba overnight. This is exactly what uh, Russia has done. So for w- what Russia has done. Um, is, um, is, is, is a matter of, uh, of having them <laughs> for lunch instead of waiting to be had uh, for supper. That's it. And the repercussions, of course, will be very huge. And uh, we are seeing it at the moment. Um, it will uh, impact uh, world economy, definitely. Uh, at the moment, uh, the world is, uh, is, is suffering but definitely, uh, the American hegemony, the Western hegemony uh, over the world, is going to diminish. Um, for uh, for Russia, uh, this is a matter of life and death. It's not just like uh, uh, like doing something and going back home, and having uh, people doing anything, uh, doing whatever. So I think the Western world actually has been uh, heavily um, heavily affected actually by what's happening now. And you have seen uh, in Europe. Um, uh, um, uh, France and Germany are heavily dependent on uh, on, on Russian gas and uh, they refused actually to implement the uh, the sanctions that were imposed by the United States and Britain. Uh, Britain, Britain is the only enthusiastic about about sanctions, not only like the rest of Europeans uh, the rest of Europeans actually are a bit reluctant because they are heavily affected so now Russia is going to impose and its will over Europe, Thanks to the stupidity of the American administration. America could have stopped this war just by announcing that uh, Ukraine is not going to be part of NATO, full stop. And Russians won't have any problem with that. But the Americans actually insisted. And now, now they are doing a still more stupid thing by sending you know arms to Ukraine in order to fuel uh, the war. The un- this is the unfortunate part. They are going to lose and lose. Thinking that they are going to um, to to to, um, to support their um, industry, the you know weapon industry, this is what they are doing at the moment. But definitely, it won't help them in the long run.
0: Yes, sir, so yes I'm sure that, that uh, yeah.
1: the world is not going to be the same after this war. Yes, brother.
0: Uh, absolutely brilliant indeed uh, you know we are running out of time but uh, you are brilliant as usual and I can tell you yes uh, you can see that armaments industry this is what they worried about the, uh, the the business instead of lives as you said innocent lives that are being lost And this armaments industry one of the biggest industries on earth still the killing machines are there and at the expense of uh, uh, the human dignity the human life and the you know they don't care anything about that it's all about the faloo so Sheikh Ramadan I'm really uh, a pleasure having you uh this evening your parting words are before i let you
1: go the topic was uh, very um, uh, very um, rich uh, africa is africa still the continent of islam i can say yes the country the african continent is more uh, islamic uh, than ever before given the, the amount of, uh, of of education that africans have received uh, thanks to the support of the uh, will, wish, will wishes and uh, business people and uh, those good-doing people. So Alhamdulillah, Africa is again the continent of Islam.
0: Yeah, is it from our Sheikh Ramadan Ahmed, very vociferously telling you, yes, 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 Africa is an Islamic continent. Alhamdulillah, Sheikh Ramadan Ahmed, Jazakallah khair. You have a beautiful, beautiful evening ahead. as alaikum rahmatullahi wa Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi And to Lukalo, thank you very much for brilliant engineering. Keep it locked on to Marcus Sahaba for beautiful programming, lovely uh, information coming through. From the team and I, will meet you again, we bid you. As salam wa wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.